0: up west georgia it's time for the podcast powered by coffee and mountain dew the morning five with bryce sparling and billy lindahl good morning west georgia welcome into the morning five podcast it is tuesday july 19th and today's podcast is presented by the parian lawyers nobody wakes up thinking
1: man i hope i hire a lawyer today but hey
0: Results, Billy. Today is National Daiquiri Day. Are you a fan of daiquiris? I've honestly never had a daiquiri before in my life. Exact same, dude. I have. I have never. I believe when I was a little kid, I used to order the Virgin daiquiris at uh, Mexican restaurants because I thought it was cool. Uh, but no, I don't believe I have ever had a daiquiri in my entire life. I'm maybe one time at a at a pool or something possibly. Uh, but no, I, I don't think I've ever had a daiquiri. I've never ordered a daiquiri. Uh, a little bit too sugary for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's mostly like a, a little bit of a sugar drink. So it's a little bit too much for me. I don't think I could do a daiquiri. Yeah, I get that. It's just not something I've ever ordered. And it, you know, you ever notice how like drinks go in phases? Like the popularity of drinks go in phases. I feel like when I was younger, like in the 90s, daiquiris were big. Like I feel like that was a big drink to get was a daiquiri. I don't remember the last time I have ever heard anybody order a daiquiri. Is that drink going out of out of style?
1: I, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I can't remember the last time somebody ordered a daiquiri either. But that doesn't mean that people aren't ordering them. That's,
0: uh, that's going to be our next investigative look as it, uh, our daiquiri is going out of style. That's going to be our next investigative look. Today is also National Football Day, Billy. Yeah. Let's isn't that go. weird I can to get have on this day? I, I can get behind this one too, but isn't it weird to have it in July? That <laughs> seems a little odd to have this in July. Yeah, it probably
1: is, but you try know, camp's beginning for, for uh, the NFC. I guess. I mean, let's go. National and to be fair, day. in a
0: couple months, or not even a couple months, but in one month, every day is National Football Day. I mean, Dad, you know, right. we're, once, once football season starts, every day is National Football Day, baby. Speaking of football starting, we're 31 days away from high school football starting. 31 Let's days. Let's go. 30, Let's 31 go. days. I'm hyped. By the end of this week, we'll be in the 20s. I am insanely hyped. Billy, last night, the Home Run Derby happened. Uh, how much of this did you watch? Um,
1: Actually, the most like the majority of it. The only thing I did not watch was the finals. I kind of checked out and went, went to sleep.
0: Um, What was, uh, what were your thoughts sort of on the entire home run derby? What were your thoughts on the entire thing? Kudos to
1: pool holes. He put on a show, even though I, Schwarber just itched the bed. Um, He pooped the bed today, earlier last night. He did not. Perform well. Um, Ronald did okay, uh, but Julio I guess is a freaking stud monster. He's going to be impressive. Um, outside of that, outside of Pujols and Julio Rodriguez, like I expect that from Soto. Um, you know what I mean? I, I was kind of surprised that um,
0: uh, the polar bear
1: got knocked out. Like, yeah, Pete Alonso. I, I mean, I guess it is what it is.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, it was. I, I, I watched. Uh, so I got home at about the third, I believe the third, I don't know, what do you call them, battle uh, in the first round. Um, and. I, I don't know. There were a lot of empty seats out there at Dodger Stadium, which kind of surprised me. None of, no it's empty seats in the outfield. It, yeah, it was very empty. Uh, all the empty seats were around the first base and third base line, so it wasn't in the home run porch. But still, like there was a lot of empty seats. That, that kind of surprised me. The commentary was terrible. Uh, we need to figure out who's going to do it next year because the people that did it this year were absolutely miserable. There was no excitement in their voice, and it was awful. Chris Berman was fantastic when he used to do the home run derbies. We need someone in there who's going to get more excited than the With guy. The guys we had last night, there was just no energy. You know what I mean? It was like they were calling a golf match almost. So, so that kind of bummed me out. Uh, not doing it at night. I understand why it wasn't at night because it's on the West Coast. So I, I get why it didn't happen. But having it during the day just brought some of the majesty away from it. Some of the pomp and circumstance of it. It just didn't seem as legendary or big in my opinion and the camera angle last night holy smokes that was pretty terrible also I couldn't see the balls I didn't know what was home runs it was hard to pick up the pitches. yeah Uh, it was it was not it it was not great and the competition was fine I guess I I liked the old the old way they did it where they had a certain number of outs they didn't have a time frame (laughs) 10 outs Yeah, Yeah. it made each home run seem bigger because they could take time to admire it and watch it. And now they're just trying to cram as many home runs into a three, three and a half minute span. And it seems rushed. Uh, Take your time with it, dude. A home run is something that we should be marveling at. Don't rush it. You know, give me 10 outs. Uh, Hit a home run and wait 30 seconds to hit another one. You know, watch it fly. Let the commentators do their thing. I think the, the format in which they do it needs to change. I like the old format a lot better. Uh, so that, that's kind of my take on the Home Run Derby last night. Uh, Juan Soto wins the Home Run Derby over Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez actually got more money for finishing in second last night in the Home Run Derby than he does in his entire salary this year. He's on a $700,000 contract this year, and he made $750,000 last night finishing second in the Home oh, Run holy Derby. Crap, really? I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. He <laughs> made fifty thousand dollars more last night for hitting home runs. That's cool, though. You know, maybe that's something. Maybe that's something moving forward we do. What? Maybe two. Maybe we have two home run derbies. Or half the people in the home run derby have to be rookies. Let these guys. That's a more. That's a bigger incentive for these rookies. Juan Soto is about to get a contract that's going to be close to a half a billion dollars. He doesn't care about the million dollars he just won last night. Julio Rodriguez, though, just made fifty thousand dollars more in one night than he's going to make in the entire season this year. So maybe that's something moving forward that they think about including. There's a couple more rookies to give them a little bit more of a, I don't know, an excitement boost, if you will. Uh, Pujols made it into the semis after knocking out Kyle Schwarber in the first round. Acuna knocked out in the first round. The players fanning Pujols uh, in his in the middle of his break after uh, what, tying uh, Schwarber. All the players got around him and were like fanning him off, trying to cool him down. That was pretty cool, Billy. I saw a stat or a, a stat today. Uh, the age of the other players in the home run derby. When Albert Pujols hit his first home run in the major leagues, J. Ram was eight, Schwarber was eight, Kyle Corey Seeger was six years old, Pete Alonzo was six, Ronald Acuna was three, Juan Soto was two, and Julio Rodriguez was 98 days old. Wow. Wow. Yep. <laughs> It's not not absurd, man. I know Paul Holz is old. I know he's been playing for a while, but that just seems nuts, man. It, I don't know. It just didn't it doesn't feel like Paul Holz has been playing that long? Well deserved from him. Love that he made it to the semis. Dude is an MLB legend and a no doubt Hall of Famer.
1: We get the All Star game tonight. Uh, I know that you're not excited about it, but you know Ronald is leading off the game for the for the National League. Uh, Billy Batts, William Contreras is hitting seventh for the National League. So those are the two Braves that are in the starting lineup for tonight's ballgame. And we'll give you a rundown of everything that happens with the All-Star Game tomorrow.
0: Well, good luck to I them. Won't, I won't be watching. Not a huge fan of the All-Star Game. All right, Billy, we continue our college football preview. Today we start with the Big Ten which is, as you, we all know, the, the favorite conference around these parts. Huge Big Ten fans down here in Georgia. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to start, start out with Indiana this morning. As good as the 2020 season was for the Indiana Hoosiers, 2021 was the complete opposite. Starting off the season two and three, then losing starting quarterback uh, Penix Jr. for the season and ending the year with zero conference wins isn't a great way to follow up a fantastic COVID-shortened COVID 2022 campaign. Indiana's first question to answer will be who's starting at quarterback. After Penix Jr.'s departure, there's a massive hole to fill in that position. Connor Bazlack looks to be the leader at the moment. He is a kid that transferred in from Missouri. Uh, but he needs to improve Other than his 23 touchdowns to 17 interception ratio he had last year. That is not great. 23 tuds, fantastic. 17 interceptions, got to be a little bit more accurate than that. He also completed only 66% of his passes. That also needs to improve. None of the Hoosiers' top four running backs returned from last season, but that might not be a bad thing as the four combined for only 1,066 yards on the season last year, and none of them went over 90 yards individually in a single game, which seems very hard to do in the NCAA. But somehow Indiana's running backs did accomplish that feat last year. Uh, Indiana's defense was also well awesome. Let alone Indiana. Like yeah, Indiana's exactly. always
1: had a pretty decent line. As long as I can remember. And, and the fact that they didn't have
0: a single running back that got over 100 yards just baffling. Nine, even 90. They couldn't even get over 90, much less 100. Yeah, it's very un-Indiana-like. Un- uh, Indiana's defense was also disappointing in 2022. They saw their scoring go from 20.3 points allowed per game to 33.2, almost two touchdowns worse. Uh, The Hoosiers worked hard uh, in the portal, though, to sturdy up the defense. Uh, The Hoosiers also lost all Big Ten top tackler Micah McFadden, who is an absolute stud. So on offense and defense, unfortunately, Indiana was terrible last year. I don't see them getting much better than this year. The big question is, what was the norm? Is 2020, the COVID-shortened year, the norm for Indiana? Is that what they should be looking at? Or is 2021 the norm for Indiana? I believe it is 2021. This year's outcome is likely around 4 and 8. They're not going to be much of much of a threat honestly without Pennix there. Okay. Uh, next we have Mor- North North, North- That's uh, Northwestern's Holy brother. Crap. Yeah, that's Northwestern's okay? brother school. I'm good. I'm good now. <laughs> uh, trying to, trying to figure out what Northwestern is can be frustrating. From 3 and 9 in 2019 to 7 and 2 the next season with a win over Ohio state, then back to three and nine last year. What can Pat Fitzgerald do to correct this team and have back-to-back winning seasons this year and next year? Hopefully four starters are expected back around a terrific left tackle. Peter Saroskin, the offensive line for Northwestern is going to be fantastic this year. They have a lot of depth and they are great up front. They might be one of the top three or four offensive lines in the big 10 this year. Um, Uh, The running game that averaged 144 yards per game now has to do more. They have to carry more of the load, and I think they will. They have a fantastic stable of running backs. Like I said, the aforementioned offensive line should open up massive holes for that running back stable. At quarterback, Ryan Helinski, the redshirt freshman, uh, Brandon Sullivan, will keep battling it out through uh, spring camp. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out of that quarterback battle Helensky or Sullivan right now uh, Pat Fitzgerald hasn't announced the starter. So look for that before the season starts on defense. The Wildcats return only five starters from the squad that finished 119th in rushing defense in the nation and 101st in total defense, 141 tackle Chris Bergen is gone. So Bryce Gallagher will need to pick up the slack that he has left five and seven. In my opinion, seems like the Wildcats ceiling this year. I think really? they're going to be. I think they're going to have a good run game. I think they're going to have a stout defense, but there's just not a lot of talent on the outside. And I don't know who's starting at quarterback. I'm not impressed with either Sullivan or Helinski. I think this is another down year for Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do uh, this year. And, and you know, because Northwestern under Pat Fitzgerald has always been just a hard nosed team. They they take over what what their coach is and you know I'm, I'm interested to see what they do this year.
0: Alright next we got Nebraska. Nebraska's run in the Big Ten has been nothing short of unceremonious and this year should be no different honestly. It would seem to me uh, that Nebraska had it, Nebraska had success in 2021. The Huskers outrushed, outpassed and outscored the opposition. Nevertheless Scott Frost fired all of his offensive assistants except for tight end coach Sean Becton, with two games remaining. Uh, the quarterback has drawn the most attention with Martinez's departure. Texas transfer Casey Thompson, easily the most experienced quarterback, is accustomed to learning the new system. He will probably be in charge of this Cornhusker offense come uh, the start of the season. Four of the top five tacklers return inside linebacker Luke Reimer and Nick Heinrich. Outside linebacker Garrett Nelson and cornerback Quentin Newsom. So that's good news for the Cornhuskers on defense. They have a bunch of returners, and they're a very senior uh, group. They have a lot of experience there on defense. Nebraska seems to be destined to wallow in mediocrity inside the Big Ten. I don't think this year is going to be any different. Six and six seems like a likely outcome for Nebraska. It's a program that just can't get back to prominence, and it's kind of shocking seeing where they were in the 90s to where they are now. They're kind of a shell of their old self.
1: Yeah, that that one always baffles me. And I think this might be a year for Scott Frost to um, get off the schneid because otherwise I'm not sure he can,
0: he can afford to uh, get past this, honestly. And, you know, there's there's rumors about Nebraska wanting to leave the Big Ten and go back to the Big 12, huh. which I, it would make sense from their point of view because they, they can't compete in the Big Ten. And now that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big 12 – they probably could compete close to, you know, getting a championship there. So that makes sense, in my opinion, from a Cornhuskers point of view. Right. Uh, Next, we got Rucker. Greg Sciano remarked that Rucker's first spring practice, the Scarlet Knights were quite young in their total program reload. While that may be true, the days of true expectations are fast approaching. It's year year three for uh, Coach Sirianni's – or Coach Sirianni. Coach Shiano's second stint on campus, 16 projected starters, 10 on offense, six on defense are recruits or transfers that have been signed by Shiano and his staff. Rutgers improved from three wins in 2020 to five in 2021, backing into a surprise Gator Bowl bid on the strength of a high APR score after Texas A&M withdrew for COVID-19 reasons. The biggest task for Rucker on offense is protecting the second-year man, Kyle Wimsett who's going to be the quarterback, something they didn't manage to do last year. That offensive line was tissue paper, and Wimsett who came in towards the latter part of the season, got absolutely mauled just about every game. In the backfield, uh, Kyle Montague and Aaron Young will uh, be leading the backs. The diminutive Montague fits Gleason's scheme, well and runs bigger than his size while young is more of a receiving threat and could line up in the slot a little bit of a thunder and lightning type deal there that you're going to have Kyle's going to hit the hole he's going to run in between the tackles Aaron Young is more of a scat back who's going to want to get out and get in space Rutgers defense was great it ranked 10th or worse in the Big Ten and the four major team categories it was also integral uh, to all three of its power five wins, which is kind of weird. The, the five power five wins or the three power five wins that Rucker had last year, the defense looked great. but other than that, they, they just kind of pooped the bed. I don't, I don't understand it. It was really odd. Uh, the Knights held opponents to 14 points or fewer with a combined plus nine turnover margin in those three power five wins. But outside of that, Rucker's defense was absolutely atrocious last year. Uh, I'm higher on Rucker than most people, and I think 5-7 and seven or 6-6. Six and six, I think that's the floor for Rucker this year. I think Shiano has got that university turned in the right direction and pointed in the right way, and I think he's going to do big things at Rucker in terms of what Rucker has been in the past. I don't think he's going to compete for a Big Ten championship. He's obviously not going to compete for a national championship, but I think Greg Shiano could really turn Rucker into an opponent that you don't want to go play, sort of like a Purdue or a Northwestern. You don't want to go play there because you know they can jump up and pop you in the mouth when they're at home, right? And we wrap up the Big Ten preview today with Maryland. What's going on around Maryland's campus this season? Optimism and hope. After an impressive seven and six start, or and then seven and six year last year, the chances to repeat that success seem pretty likely this year. The hope centers around Tua's younger brother. Uh, creating plays and opportunities. He set in Maryland's single season record for passing yards last year, completions, completion percentage, passing touchdowns, and 300 yard passing games. He was the MVP of the new era Pinstripe Bowl with 20 of 24 passing performance for 265 yards, two scores, and a rushing in rushing for 42 yards. On defense, top cover corner Deontay Banks is back alongside starter Jacorian Bennett and Tahib Still. The front seven took a hit with the transfer of the top three 2021 recruits, defensive end uh, linebacker Robinson and linebackers Terrence Lewis and Brandon Jennings. So they did lose a couple guys in the front seven. But honestly, Maryland's been recruiting pretty well, so I don't think it's going to be a massive hit. Up front, veterans um, Amy Finau and Mosiah kite at 21 starts. Between them, Daryl Jackson Jr. came on. Really strong uh, in the latter half of the season last year for Maryland. Even started the bowl game. The whole unit could get a boost off of the injured. The guy who's been injured a ton last year, unfortunately. He's kind of a hybrid in Daryl in Chami, uh, who the Terrabins are very high on. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a monster on the end for Maryland next year. Maryland looks poised, honestly, for a double-digit win season next year. I, I don't think 10-2 and two or 9-3 and three is outside of the realm of possibility for Maryland. I really like this team. Really? I, I love Maryland next year. I really love the talent. I think this is going to be the surprise team in the Big Ten next year. I think they are going to jump up and get some absolutely major, major wins. I think this is going to be Maryland's best year since they have joined the Big Ten. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty high on Maryland. Bryce, you know what
1: else we have this week? the SEC media days and the SEC oh, media Lord. days are always fun did we uh,
0: did we get anybody talking about family at the media days today I don't
1: think so <laughs> I don't think he talked about his family
0: <laughs> oh, what a moron I can't stand what Brian Gilly
1: <laughs> so obviously LSU, uh, Ole Miss and uh, Missouri were on a hand in in the first day of SEC Media Days, and uh, a couple quotes from Brian Kelly. What I've learned, what I've tried to do is educate myself on some of the traditions at LSU, Kelly said. Look, they used to have Mike the Tiger in a cage in front of the opponent's locker room. Obviously, PETA got involved in that one, and that no longer exists. So some traditions die with just good judgment, but I think you have to know them brian kelly went on about his future or he went on about the future of notre dame it's not been high on my list of things to think about i've been trying to correct my slice uh the last two weeks notre dame is still a coveted university they'll land in a good position whether stay independent or just join another conference
0: yeah i was a little disappointed in brian kelly's uh SEC media days yesterday. Not a ton of headlines. Very, very coach speak. Very boring. I really thought we were going to get some gems out of Brian Kelly, but we did not. It was Honestly, it was sort of boring out of him yesterday.
1: With uh, Lane Kiffin next. Coach Kiffin on UCLA, USC, Oklahoma and Texas all changing conferences. Quote, I mean, I just say how it is. I don't know that there's a huge jump into the Big Ten. I think that I think going to the SEC is a whole nother animal. It's another world. Said it for a long time. The SEC means more and it does. It's different. It's ahead of the game.
0: I'm not gonna disagree with him. The SEC is the best conference in college football right now. I don't think that's even a question, especially with even before Oklahoma and Texas joined. I don't know the I whole read. I don't know the whole it means more down here. I I don't know about that. I think that's kind of short-sighted and ignorant. If you go up to any any of these big college towns around the country, it <laughs> means quite a bit there. But I, there's no question the SEC is the best conference. Absolutely zero question. Top to bottom, best conference. There's no other conference that can even come close to standing up to how good they are. Kiffin also spoke on the NIL. It's like a
1: payroll in baseball, Kiffin said. What teams win over a long period of time? Teams that have higher payrolls and can pay players a lot. We're in a situation not any different than that i said day one you legalize cheating but get ready for the most for the people that have the most money to get players now you have it
0: it is what it is yeah doesn't so, sound like he's a fan of nil no not at all and uh, I, as you were reading that billy i'm reading an article on sports 100 texas tech players have received five figure nil packs good god wow that is, that's nuts, man. That is, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm torn on the NIL. That's kind of a conversation for a different day because that's a massive uh, topic to get into and there's a lot to break down. But there needs to be some regulation. I mean, I, I'm not completely against what Kiffin has said, but it, yeah, it, it is what it is right now. But there does does need to be some type of regulation or something on the NIL.
1: And finally, with Missouri, Eli Drinkwitch. Coach Drinkwitch on the state of college football quote, it's such an incredible game that we have through great moments, through tailgates, through bitter rivalry defeat, through incredible rivalry wins. It's what makes college football awesome. It's my hope that we don't lose sight of that. I know the college football world and college athletes is changing. For any of you Simpsons fans, I'm not the old man yelling at clouds that we (laughs) want to go back to the old way it was. (laughs)
0: and everybody knows that meme of of homer's dad just standing out there shaking his fist in the cloud uh dude this is so so yesterday was the first time i ever heard eli Drinkwitz uh speak dude he's like he's he seems like a (laughs) every time i hear this word he seems like a philosophizer like he seems like a really smart guy (laughs) I, 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 i feel like i was in a philosophy class honestly like some of the stuff he was talking about i was like uh, we're talking about football here, dude. This is like you're giving me a whole life rundown. He's a really smart cat, man. I, I enjoyed listening to him yesterday. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the Marine South scoreboard from last night, Billy, we didn't have much, man. We had the home run derby. Juan Soto wins it, as y'all know. That's about it. There was some women's tennis. There was some uh, women's soccer. There was some men's tennis. That's about it, man. We're, we're sort of in a dead spot for uh, athletics right now, unfortunately. But it's about to pick up in about a month. We got everything kicking off. The Stumpet Games and Events calendar for tonight. More SEC Media Days today. Alabama's coach, uh, Nick Satan, uh, his interviews are at 9 a.m. this morning. Who? Mrs. M- uh, Nick Satan, the coach at Alabama. The little guy, little Nicky. Yeah, Nick Satan. Uh, <laughs> Mississippi State coach, coach, Mike Leach, is at 1 p.m. South Carolina coach, Shane Beamer, is at 2.25 p.m. Uh, and Vanderbilt's Clark Lee is at 10 thirty AM So we'll have some clips and quotes and we'll see what old Nikki has to say on the stand at nine AM this morning.
1: Let's not forget too that the All Star game is tonight at eight o'clock and that is going to be on Fox.
0: Well that'll be great for people that watch it. What time does that start? You said eight? Eight. I don't like these West Coast man it just seems so there's so much more pageantry when it's at night i don't know it feels weird when all this all-star stuff is going on hey did you watch the uh the softball game the celebrity softball game in the all-star i thing? saw the highlights of it yeah i did i need to go back and watch the high, that's one of my favorite things to watch in the all-star weekend it, That that's kind of fun i need to go back and watch the highlights i love watching that Thanks. oh
1: and, and we've got some more all-star news to to talk about in another cup of coffee you need one Yes, sir. I certainly do. Another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor Hannah Straughn with Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. Uh, First off, Cam Smith, Charles Barkley, and David Faraday are all leaving for the Live Tour.
0: So David Faraday is confirmed. He is confirmed going to the Live Tour. Charles Barkley is confirmed to be in negotiations with the Live Tour. And Cam Smith, it is just a heavily, heavily, heavily rumored thing that is going to happen, apparently. So, Faraday definitely going, Charles Barkley probably going, Cam Smith, just rumors right now, but it looks like these three guys are going to the LIV Tour.
1: Crazy. Crazy, Mm -hmm. crazy, crazy.
0: 180 Um, million, rumor for Cam Smith. That was before before the championship this weekend, though, so that that number might be bumped up a little bit.
1: The Major League Baseball All-Star Game to be decided by a home run derby if it's tied after nine innings. Yes, please. Does anybody rooting? Is anybody rooting for a tie as hard for anymore? Like I am. Oh, my
0: God. Can we honestly, can we do this during the regular season? This is no more of a gimmick than than Manfred Ball and putting a guy on second when he didn't earn that that double. You know, that's true. I mean, if if we're going to make baseball goofy anyways, why not just do this? Just have a home run derby after after it's more fun. And I can guarantee you it'll make more people stay through the entire game. If it's a 2-2 game, I bet some people are, you know, kind of trickling out towards the end of the game. Oh, it's getting late. No, we don't want to stay for extras. If you tell them, all right, you know what? After nine innings, we're going to have a home run derby. I can guarantee you more people stay for that.
1: Yeah, a manager will choose three players from their squad to send out, and they will have three swings each uh, to hit as many home runs as possible. And whoever has the most home runs... Wins the All Star Game?
0: So I, I believe the three ma- the three people that Brian Snicker has already chosen it's Pete Alonso, Juan Soto, and Ronald Acuna Jr. are the three people that um, that uh, Brian Snicker has chosen. And I don't remember the AL roster. I don't remember who the AL has picked, but it's like three guys who should not be on there. Like if this if this goes to an extra inning home run derby, the the NL is 100 percent winning the All Star Game. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, Dusty Baker is brilliant when it comes to all star Uh um, hey, is he still
0: does he still wear his gloves? Is he still is he still wearing his gloves inside the uh inside the dugout? Is is that mitt?
1: I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh Deion Sanders will donate half of his salary to Jackson State to complete the football facility.
0: Hell yeah, Deion. Love it, dude. I I'm man, I I love what he's doing down there at Jackson State.
1: The uh, United States women's national team beat Canada last night to win the Concacaf W title and
0: seal Olympic spots. Awesome! Hey, keep dominating, women. Uh, we have the best women's soccer program in the entire world. Keep. Uh, Billy, I found it. I found the. I found the participants t- tonight for the NL uh, or for the NL versus AL home run derby if the game is tied. So the NL participants: Pete Alonso, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Kyle Schwarber. Not Juan though. The AL participants are Ty France, Julio Rodriguez, and Kyle Tucker. Okay. (laughs) I think we have a leg up there if it happens.
1: NFL Rookie Camp begins today for the Falcons, the Ravens, Chargers, Dolphins, Pats, Saints, Giants, and Jets.
0: Let's go. Let's go. Rookie Camp. Hey, who's who's on Hard Knocks this year? Do you know who's on Hard Knocks? Is it the Browns? Oakland? Maybe. I don't remember. I'll have to look that up. That should Is be Oakland? I, hell, I don't know. What I was asking you. Uh, I thought it was the Browns. Let's see. I thought uh, for some reason. Oh, it's the Lions. The Lions of this year. That's right. The Detroit Lions because we get to see MCDC up there and gnawing people's shins off and everything.
1: And finally, today in 1903, the first Tour de France happened. French writer Croissant Baguette Maurice Guerin wins the inaugural event.
0: Uh, good job out of him. 1903 Tour de France. I, do, you, do you watch the Tour de France, Billy, when it's on? No, not really. No, yeah, there's a lot. There, it's, a, it's a lot. It's long. I'll, I'll have it on in the background usually, and I'll catch a couple of the last stages. It's it's pretty impressive. Dude, the the cardio those guys had to have is it's just absurd. So congratulations to Croissant Baguette from France and winning the first ever uh, French uh, French Open, the first Tour de France in 1903. Billy, you got anything else to add this morning, man?
1: Nope, I
0: am good. Awesome. Let's get out of here. Everybody be safe driving into work. It is supposed to be a wet day out there. Uh, I don't know if it's raining anymore, but it was pouring down when I came down this morning thunder and lightning. Everybody stay safe out there for Billy Lindall, I am Bryce Sparling. We will see y'all tomorrow morning. Same time, same place. Shake your neighbors. Just shake them. Shake your neighbors.